0: my last year of high school, when I was 17 years old, I had a dramatic encounter with God. But what preceded it was a spiritual crisis that left me totally confused. For nearly two full years prior to that crisis, I had been so excited about Jesus. I, I'd been going great guns for God. We, my friends and I had used the term on fire for Jesus. I felt on fire for Jesus. Kyle, I'm so glad you chose that song this morning. That was so perfect for for what i'm describing right now and uh, we, you know i was sharing jesus with my friends in high school we had a cop an evangelistic coffee house uh, at some point in my grade 11 year we we were just so excited about everything i was going to do as many bible studies as i could you know as a high schooler in my church i they couldn't keep me out of the college and career bible study we called it college and career back then those who were over past high school age and and I, i 'd go to that too i 'd go to all the Bible studies in fact, I even attended a i even started a, a Bible study for a bunch of eager junior high school boys that went quite well. We had a good time together, and then suddenly something happened i won 't go into detail, but suffice it to say that something happened that left me struggling with very similar questions to, to the questions I mentioned in last sunday 's sermon. When I spoke about Jesus' first followers living in the uncertainty of that very uncomfortable space between promises and realities, that's where I was living. Very uncomfortable space between God's promises and my life's realities. And and it brought on questions like, God, what's going on? Where are you in all this? I I can't see you. I can't sense you. And I got so desperate that one evening when I was... Completely alone in the house, I decided to get on my knees, by my bed, and pray a very simple prayer. I needed reassurance, so I simply asked, God, please touch me. That's all I asked. I waited, and nothing happened. I was looking for that reassurance, that that some response from God. I asked a second time, God, please touch me. And I waited again, and nothing happened. Then I prayed that simple prayer a third time, and then suddenly something dramatic happened. Something happened that I couldn't have made up if I'd tried. It suddenly felt like every cubic millimeter of my bedroom was filled with an awesome but wonderful presence. I wasn't frightened, but I was incredibly awed by it, that I I could even see the hairs on my arms standing up, and I didn't want to dare lift my head. With my head down and still on my knees by my bed, I tried to look around, and I saw nothing different in my room, but the intensity of what I knew was God's presence remained. The hair on my arms continued to stand up, and and I began to just pray praises to Him. I was so awed. By his presence, that was God the Holy Spirit who had entered my room that night. And I'll never forget it. I know it was real. God later revealed to me the reasons why he wanted me to go through all that. And and based on those reasons, I don't believe that this experience that I had is something that anyone should try to mimic to repeat that experience. It was unique. But it resulted in me being filled with God, the Holy Spirit, which is something that can be repeated. The Holy Spirit is one of the three members of what we call the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the God of the Bible. One God in three unique persons who are so perfectly united, spiritually united, that together they are literally one God. I'm going to be talking a lot about the Holy Spirit today as we look at a dramatic encounter with God that was far more powerful and far more important than the experience I had as a teenager. But it was similar in ways that are meant to show us that we can experience the Holy Spirit today and we can experience him again and again and again throughout our lives. Today, we're going to look at what may be the most important moment in the history of the church it's been called the birth of the church. Another writer spoke of it as, as the birthday of God's new covenant people, the church. And a couple of writers I know have referred to, referred to it as the dawn of the new age of God. I'm talking about the day of Pentecost, the day when the first followers of Jesus were filled with the Holy Spirit. It was a dramatic moment, and I'm going to focus on that moment today without looking yet at what that filling resulted in. That'll come next week, and and for weeks and even months that follow as we continue our series, The Adventures of Acts. Looking at the Book of Acts. Some of the details that made it dramatic are not meant to be normative in our Christian experience because of how historically unique that particular day of Pentecost was. But some details in the story are meant to illustrate to us that being filled with the Holy Spirit is part of the normal, supernatural Christian life. I want to look at what I believe are the two primary messages of Pentecost. The world needs Jesus and we need the Holy Spirit. So let's start by reading from the book of Acts. I'm reading uh, from chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. You can find that in your Bibles or use the handouts that have been given you when you arrived. I'm going to start here at the beginning of chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of Fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Luke, the writer of Acts, is very deliberate about specifying the timing of this event as when the day of Pentecost arrived. He wanted that to be clear. The day of Pentecost was a Hebrew harvest festival that occurred seven weeks or 50 days after the Passover celebration, which was when Jesus was crucified. Pentecostos means 50th. The day of Pentecost was also called the Feast of Harvest because of the completion of the grain harvest. But a few hundred years before Jesus walked the earth, the Jewish people began to also associate Pentecost with God giving the law to Moses. Because they believed that happened 50 days after the first Passover when the Israelites left Egypt. So Luke made sure that his readers understood that this story happened on the day of Pentecost. Knowing that his readers, they associated that day with with a harvest. And with the completion or the establishment of of a covenant with God. It's not... Difficult to see how relevant that that is to the Father's purposes in sending God the Holy Spirit. See, Luke, in his first book about the life of Jesus, That he, he wrote two books, the one called the Gospel of Luke, that was about the life of Jesus, and this second book, the book of Acts, of what happened after Jesus ascended to heaven, what happened in the early church. And in his first book, he wrote that the night before Jesus died, as Jesus passed around a cup of wine in his last supper with his disciples, Jesus told his disciples that this cup is poured out for you. This this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. There it is, that word covenant. This is something that's relevant. And, and here it's coming up again as a theme of the day of Pentecost. And then Just before Jesus ascended to heaven, he alluded to the harvest. Another theme of the day of Pentecost, when he said to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. He's talking about them going out into those harvest fields to, 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 to win souls to Jesus. So this idea of harvest and covenant or things Jesus had spoken about, and pastor and writer Simon Ponsonby states that on this day, when pilgrims have gathered from around the Roman Empire to celebrate God's provision of the first fruits of the harvest, when they commemorate God's provision of the old covenant through Moses, God chooses to come with the first fruits of the age of the Spirit and establish a new covenant written not on tablets of stone, but on people's hearts. We see these themes of harvest. We see these themes of first fruits. We see these themes of covenant being repeated after Jesus had spoken of them to his disciples. And now they're being celebrated on the day of Pentecost. Now when Simon Ponsonby talks about the age of the Spirit, he doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit had never been present before this day when he talks about this new age of the Spirit. We know that Before this amazing day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit had come upon many people. But what was new was how he was now willing to come upon all God's people and to dwell in them. Well, prior to this, he only came upon select people at select times and often temporarily. But after Jesus ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit was sent from heaven to join our hearts in a spiritual union with Jesus. So that those who, who know him live in Jesus. And Jesus lives in us. And Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. Because his spirit will never leave us. That's, that's new. And it was what the biblical prophets had spoken of six or seven hundred years earlier, such as when the prophet Ezekiel said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. There we have this, this thought of the spirit being given. This was not something new to the disciples. They would, have, they would have heard about this from prophetic words in their scriptures. The prophet Jeremiah connected that thought with the dawning of a new covenant between God and his people. When he wrote, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. The day of Pentecost marked the beginning of of, of the fulfillment of these prophecies from Ezekiel and Jeremiah. The spirit coming, a new covenant, and God chose the day of Pentecost to celebrate these things because those are the themes of that day. And God poured out his spirit into the hearts of his followers Let's not miss those phrases from Jeremiah that God would write his will on our hearts, not just on our minds, but on our hearts as well. And he says, I will be their God and they will be my people. Those are the words of love and relationship, a relationship with the living God. This new covenant that was inaugurated on that day of Pentecost is an expression of how God loves to draw close to us and to literally dwell in us. He wants to be close to us. He wants to be close to you. He wants to express His love to each one of you here. Jesus was God with us when He walked the earth, but the Holy Spirit is God us in us. But the Holy Spirit is not just a presence. He's personal. We can speak to Him. And He speaks to us. And He loves us. The Bible tells us that God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. But unfortunately, the church of Jesus has often had a different view of the Holy Spirit when the church has thought about the Spirit at all. The, the church has often thought of the Holy Spirit as an it. Sort of like a, a force that gives grace and gives strength and gives, you know, I'm not sure how that's supposed to work, but it's, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, like, like Star Wars, like this force you can wield or, or something like that. But when Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit, he used a pronoun and said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. You know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. There's that pronoun he, that pronoun him. He's He's a person that we can relate with. He's personal. But even those who know he's personal and not an it can still think of the Holy Spirit as being only for our own personal enjoyment, for our own personal encouragement. When He also came for our empowerment, for our mission. When God the Holy Spirit dwells in a person, we can't help but be changed. When He dwells in our hearts, the, the, the living God, God the Holy Spirit, it's it's meant to change our hearts to become more like His heart. Our hearts become changed to better reflect what's on God's heart, which is that more people would know him, that people in your lives, people you know, people you care about, that God cares about infinitely and wants to see them saved, they become someone we want to see saved as well. Our hearts are changed to reflect what's on God's heart. Jesus had a mission on his mind when he promised the Holy Spirit, a mission to the people you know, the people in your lives, the people of this world. Because Jesus had a world in mind that he died for. He had a mission on his mind when he sent the Holy Spirit because he had a world in mind when he died for us and for all those people who don't yet know him. There's people around us who desperately need the closeness and the intimacy that we have, that we've already found and with the Holy Spirit. And on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit caused the first 120 disciples of Jesus to speak in other languages, so that those first disciples could share the good news from, from people from all the different nations that, that were gathering there for that festival. There were Jewish people all over the Roman Empire that would have been gathering there in Jerusalem. And they would have spoken many different languages, and God wanted to reach them so much that He put the languages of those people on the mouth, on the lips of those disciples, so that they could speak, they could share Jesus with others. That's why the Holy Spirit was given, so that those the good news of Jesus could be spread. Simon Ponsaby again writes, and I must admit, my title for this sermon that you'll see on the top of your handouts is borrowed from him. He filled the church that the church might fill the world. Amen? As we, and as we who are filled with the Holy Spirit fill this world, then we too are meant to point people to Jesus. And that's why Ponsonby also declares that power from on high to point to the one seated on high, m- meaning Jesus, is among the preeminent purposes of Pentecost. Power from on high to point to the one seated on high to point to Jesus is among the preeminent purposes of Pentecost. We've been given power to point people to Jesus because the world needs a Jesus. Now, if the world needs Jesus and we're to be the ones who share Jesus with the world, then we desperately need the Holy Spirit to be able to accomplish that mission. We'd be foolish to think that we could accomplish anything for God without his Spirit. Luke is the only biblical writer to associate the baptism of the Spirit with the water baptism that John the Baptist had provided. Remember, whenever you read the book of Acts, uh, written by Luke, keep another eye, keep one eye on the Gospel of Luke, because there's, there's themes that travel from one book to the other. And when, when Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, he talked about the baptism of the Spirit. Or no, I'm sorry, the water baptism that Jesus experienced with John the Baptist. And, he, and, he, and he, when he was baptized, it's, we're told by Luke that a, the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove that he was filled with the holy spirit at the time of his water baptism and then and then Luke records Jesus saying to his disciples at the beginning of the book of Acts verse five, 1 chapter 1 verse 5 John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the holy spirit not many days from now the reason that's significant is because the holy spirit descended on Jesus when he was baptized by John so that so that he could then begin public ministry, full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit, anointed by the Spirit. Those are all phrases that Luke used in the Gospel of Luke. Luke loved referring to the Holy Spirit. And he wrote all those phrases in his first book so that when he then wrote what he wrote in Acts 1, verse 5, I'm sure he would have intended for a connection to be made in his readers' minds. He would have wanted his readers to see the connection If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit before doing ministry in the world, then His followers would need the Holy Spirit even more before doing ministry for God. We need the Holy Spirit to do ministry for God. But we not only need the Holy Spirit to serve God in His harvest fields, but also so so we can simply grow mature as His workers in the harvest field. We need to grow in character. We need to be able to understand truth in order to express it to others. We need to be walking in unity with other Christians so that people can know that we are Christians by our love for one another. Those things are only possible because the Holy Spirit of truth and of life and of love has filled us. He's the only one who can help us to become like Jesus in all those areas without the holy spirit we'd also miss out miss miss out on on the felt sense the, the felt sense of intimacy with god and his affection for us after all we're not just workers we're his children his children that he loves each one of you it's not just a worker in a harvest field. You're a children in His family. God is a Father. And God is a Father who longs to have a family. That's why He's so eager to see people added to His kingdom, being saved, and, and to know Jesus. Well, it's because He loves us and He wants us near Him for eternity. When I, when I first came to Gateway, I first came to Gateway in 1986, and I came because um, I was eager to experience the Holy Spirit in my own life. But I came from a very conservative church background in which the Holy Spirit was was never mentioned. I mean, well I'm sure maybe the Holy Spirit was mentioned so I just don't remember. I don't remember the Holy Spirit being mentioned in in messages or and it was a long time ago, so perhaps I've forgotten, but it wasn't an emphasis to, to mention the Holy Spirit. And I came from a fairly conservative Bible college, but there were two professors in my Bible college who were very open to the Holy Spirit. And one of those professors gave us an assignment to find a charismatic church. This was a, a, a course on the book of Corinthians where, the, where you see a lot to do with the Holy Spirit going on. And in that assignment, we were meant to find a charismatic church and attend one of their Sunday services and interview the pastor and, um, with some specific questions uh, I, I, so I came to Gateway on, uh, in, in because of those reasons and, and I the, it was two of us I came with a, another student a lady who was who less open to the Holy Spirit than I was she came from a very conservative background as well but I remember as I was enjoying the service it didn't seem she was so much in fact I don't, I don't even know if she was singing any of the songs it was she was there because of the assignment. But I was there to drink in the atmosphere. There was, there was a, an atmosphere there to do with the Spirit that I'd never experienced before. In my previous, and I was hungry for it. I was thirsty for it. And I remember when we interviewed Ron McLean. Ron McLean was the pastor of Gateway Church then and was until December 2022. And I I just, I remember, or was it 23. I can't remember, but it was recently, until recently, and I, as we interviewed Ron, I remember this, uh, it was clear that this girl I was with was only there to do the assignment, she, just by the question she asked, she even seemed a little combative at times, she wasn't seeming open to th- the answers, and, and yet I, I was hungry for the answers, I was eager to understand, and I remember just feeling I wanted more of what Ron was talking about in my life. I, was, I felt thirsty. I felt spiritually thirsty. Are you thirsty this morning? Because God wants to fill you with His Holy Spirit. When the Bible talks about being filled with the, the Spirit, it's not a once-for-a-lifetime deal like on the day you're saved. God wants to fill us again and again and again and again with his holy Spirit throughout our lives. Now, I don't want to get too heavy here with a lot of biblical references, but I just want to highlight a few verses in the Bible. The Bible says that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So I believe any I believe that anyone who believes that who and who Jesus is and and in what and believe in what he did for us when he died on the cross for our sins, when he took the penalty for our sins upon himself so that we wouldn't have to experience that penalty ourselves, and then that he was raised from the dead. Those who believe that have the Holy Spirit, because we wouldn't believe that quite naturally. our fallen nature, our sinful nature... We're, we're, let me just be blunt here. Before we know God, we are not inclined to God. Before we know God, before we have the Holy Spirit, we're naturally inclined away from God, not toward Him. We, it, it, it requires some intervention for us to begin caring about the things of the Spirit, caring about God, and, and taking our eyes off ourselves and seeing Him as the King of the universe Rather than ourselves being the king in our own hearts, and so I found myself turning to God back when I was 16 years old. I found myself eager to to, to respond to him. That wasn't me. That was the Holy Spirit who is moving in me, and and it's the Holy Spirit who who, who makes us inclined to God, and then it's and the Holy Spirit fills us when we dedicate our lives to God, when we submit to Him and say, and make Jesus our Lord and Savior. There's a, another verse in the Bible that confirms what I'm saying from this first verse I read, that by looking at it from the opposite direction, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So if you don't have the spirit, you must not belong to him. That's pretty clear that if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the spirit of Christ. So every one of you in this room who's following Jesus, you already have the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is in you. He was because he's the one who inclined your heart to him and he's the one who filled you to give you the 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 understanding that Jesus is Lord. The, the Holy Spirit helps us to put our faith in Jesus by opening our understanding. There's, there's a Bible verse that says, But when he, he, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. That's what He's done for each one of us who know Him. And the disciples in Acts 1 already truly did believe in Jesus. They already believed. So they already had the Spirit within them. That, so that would mean in Acts 2, this passage we just read, this would have been a refilling This would not have been the first filling they received. It would have been a refilling of the Holy Spirit. And and that's okay, because the Bible has... There's another verse in the Bible that talks about... it's, It's a verse in Ephesians 5, I think, 5.18, that says, "...be filled with the Spirit." It uses a verb tense. That verb "filled" be filled with the Spirit that is, a, is a present continuous verb. It's, it's that's the verb tense, present continuous, which means that that being that filling is, is continually happening. It's always in the present. It's continuous and it's continually happening. It's present continuous. It's like "keep on being filled" might be a better translation of that of that verse, not just. Be filled, but keep on being filled, and keep on being filled, and keep on being filled, continually, again and again and again. That's biblical. So I believe that what happened at Pentecost was in some ways extraordinary and unique, because it was ordained by God as a historically significant event in the history of the Church. But it also needs to be seen As the first of many fillings as God began to accomplish His mission in this world, it represented 120 thirsty and hungry and eager and desperate disciples being filled with the Spirit. Just like the many other times in Acts, we're told the disciples were filled with the Spirit again and again. There's there's characters in the book of Acts, main characters, who we see being filled with the Spirit again and again and again in different circumstances because God wants to keep filling us. He wants us to have more so that we can carry on with the mission and be effective in the mission that God has sent us on. Again I ask, are you Spiritually thirsty for more of the Holy Spirit. Hungry, eager, or or even desperate to be filled again, to be filled again and again. At one point in Jesus' ministry, the Bible tells us that Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Are you thirsty for those rivers of living water? Are you eager for them or even desperate? Jesus wants to fill you with his Spirit today. He wants to fill each one of us. He doesn't want anyone left out. And he wants us to be filled not only because he loves us, but because he loves others who he wants to send us to reach. Let me be clear. He may want to fill you to encourage you, but he also wants to fill you to be on mission with him, to share him with others. Pentecost shows us that the world needs Jesus. And so we need the Holy Spirit to bring Jesus to the world. That means the Holy Spirit fills those who want to do the will of God in this world. Which means giving up control and letting God be in charge of our lives. It means giving up control and being able to, to say, God, whatever, wherever, whenever you want me to do, I will do it. This is what it takes. When, when God says, to be, you, do you want to be filled with the Spirit? It means yielding to Him, letting Him be in charge as we follow Jesus into the harvest fields of this world. To receive the Holy Spirit means you're hungry enough for God to give up that control and let God be in charge. To be ready to do whatever He instructs you to do. It may be that to talk to that person at the office. It may be to reach out to that neighbor and show an act of kindness. It may be to contact that family member that you've been estranged from. Whatever He instructs you to do, He will give you the power to do it. When we yield to Him in this way, and the Holy Spirit fills us, the story of Pentecost shows us that confirming manifestations follow. Now those manifestations vary from person to person and from situation to situation it's not always speaking in tongues as we see in this story, which is was quite exceptional because the tongues they were speaking were the tongues of they were foreign languages, not even a heavenly language like we see mentioned in other books of the bible It could be something other than that it could be anything from it could be more something internal as opposed to something external. Like the tongues, speaking in those tongues, it could be a sense of joy, a great sense of joy that comes over you. It could be a, a great sense of hope that, that re- returns, and that, you, that you have in the midst of difficult circumstances. It may be a sense of peace that fills you. Or it may be, as we see in Acts, a great sense of boldness. A great sense of boldness to take the good news of Jesus to people in our lives. There's many other possibilities. But the question is, who wants the Holy Spirit this morning? Who wants to be filled again with the Holy Spirit?